Hi everyone, my name is Samuel Zachariah, and today we're going to be talking about being an INFJ and what does that mean. This podcast is the first episode of Conversations with Sawmill. I have no script, I just have a general idea of what I want to talk about, and this podcast is super informal. Um, I'm taking inspiration from Emma Chamberlain's podcast, um, which feels so informal yet close. I love that about her podcast, and I want to emulate that in some way. Um, so I'm a first-year student at Wake Forest University. Um, I've had I have the great opportunity to be recording at the Waker Space um, in this beautiful podcast room. Um, couldn't even imagine being here, you know, six or seven months ago. But let's get into our topic of today which is being an INFJ. And apparently, when I took this this personality test first, um, I took it my senior year, right before my senior year, actually, the summer of my senior year at a captain's retreat for speech and debate. Um, And I was given the overall debate position, which is a pretty big position in our school. Um, So I was a bit nervous, you know, I didn't know if I was going to do well in that position. So, and I, I wasn't even overall debate, I was overall speech debate, and I don't want to toot my horn, but it was scary. I didn't think I deserved that position, you know. Um, I only was versed in debate and not really speech. Um, and the captain who had that position before, um, who I look up to very much, um, she had experience in speech and debate. And if you aren't familiar with speech and debate, there are like different events in the club. So there are speech oriented where you give like a five minute speech, uh, you prepare a speech, there are different variations, there's humorous speeches, there are informative speeches, and then there's debate, which is totally different. Um, And I was only versed in the debate side of it. So I was a little nervous, and and honestly, this is a bit of a tangent, but that's okay. So coming into it, we were um, in a Zoom call because, you know, things were in COVID, and our our coaches asked us to give a take a personality test and if you haven't taken a personality test before i would highly suggest you do it um the best one in my opinion is 16personalities.com um it's a great personality test um it just asks you some questions about how you you know interact in the world um so yeah take it um and there are different personalities there's 16 and back then i was an enfp i believe an enfp and uh since then I've become an INFJ, which I think is interesting. And I've taken this test multiple times um, now and, you know, since then, since my uh, my senior year debate stuff. And uh, I've changed. And I think that's interesting. Um, my senior year was definitely a defining moment in my life where um, I lost friends and uh, I gained some. I became a different person. And I think that's representative of a lot of folks during COVID, um, during this transition period, and we're still in COVID, but um, there's something my friends always say, and I've seen this at home and now at Wake Forest, which is, wow, which is the like basic saying like, wow, I'm such a different person from the person I was pre-COVID, and I think that's very interesting, and you know, I can see that with my own personality test. So anyway, back to this personality test and being an INFJ. Um, apparently being an INFJ is the rarest, according to my mom. I'm looking it up right now, so if you hear me typing, that's kind of what I'm doing. (laughs) INFJ 
yeah, one to three percent of the population feels like I'm tooting my horn way too much, but I thought that was interesting. Um, so what is an INFJ? What is what do the letters even mean? So the I, so each letter means a different part of your personality. So there's either I or E for the first letter, and I is introverted or extroverted. Um, the next is uh, intuitive or observant. So that's the N. I don't know why they. I guess they wanted a different letter, so they didn't choose I, so they did, did the N in intuitive. I don't know. So N or O. Um, then there's the thinking or feeling. So I'm the feeling. And then there's the judging or perspective. Uh, perspecting, excuse me. And I'm the judging. And then there's a last letter, which is kind of odd. I don't know why it's separate. Um, but I'm a T, which is turbulent. And the other one is assertive. So I just want to talk about this personality. Um, because that's kind of what I can talk about because that's my, who I am. I don't really have experience being a E-O-T-J. That sounds weird. I don't even know if that's a thing. But anyways, I don't have experience being any of the other personalities. Um, so yeah, I think the first one, which I think is interesting, is the extrovert or introvert. Um, so with that, I think there's a stigma against being an introvert. And uh, the best example I can give is when I was in church back, you know, whenever my family went to church. Um, my brother was really little, so I have a little brother, um, and he's a very, very introverted person. Um, and my after church, after like the service, you know, we would meet with random adults that our parents were friends with, and we would have to say hi, have a conversation. You know, you have that awkward conversation with adults you don't really know. Um, so I, I was more able to do that than my brother. That's, that's the short version. Um, and I remember after we had that conversation, I had that conversation. My brother was very shy. We'd go to the car and my dad would be saying, Aria, which is my little brother's name. Aria, why are you so introverted? Like that's, um, and I thought that was interesting because to be honest, when I was talking to those parents, I was kind of putting up a facade. Like, I hate being in this conversation, but I'm going to have that conversation because my parents want me to versus the my little brother not caring in the world. Like, I can do whatever I want. I'm not going to talk that much. And I kind of respected that. Um, so anyway, that's the example of, you know, I think being an introvert has a negative connotation when it really shouldn't have a negative con connotation. Um... Sometimes I just think, well, now that I, I guess I've changed from an extrovert to an introvert, which is very interesting, according to this test, at least. Um, I value, you know, my alone time. I value mm, having conversations that are productive, you know, and conversations that are few. Um, I would much rather have a conversation with my closest friend for hours than be at a party for hours which with people I don't really know. Um, and I'm kind of noticing that in college as well because, you know, I've been at Wake Forest for only five weeks. Um, this is the end of my fifth week, so I'm entering my sixth week. Not much time here. But of the time I've spent here, um, you know, I've gone to a lot of frat parties, um, trying to get the experience, figure out what I like, what I don't like. And what I definitely don't like is the frat parties. And I think that was really interesting. Um, I more of liked the fact that me and my friends would hang out before. Um, we would like chill with some people. We would like have some fun. And then we would have to walk like 15, 20 minutes outside of ca campus to, 
you know, go to the frat party because they're not on campus at Wake, at least. I don't know how other colleges work. So, yeah, they're not on campus. And that 15 to 20 minute walk was really nice. Like, I like those walks. And I actually preferred those walks than the party themselves. Um, because, you know, you, I could talk to, like, one of my closest friends who was going to the party as well. We could have a good conversation about music or, you know, just something meaningful. And then we get to the party and, you know, it's like, okay, this is happening. This is great, you know? So, you know, I, I, it's not like I don't respect people who like that scene. I totally respect that. And I honestly envy that a little bit because I wish I could have a little more fun at those scenes. But to the fact that I'm being a little introverted is like, I don't like those type of scenes. I like just, you know, hanging out with a few close friends. Um, I don't like having too many friends either, which is kind of interesting. Um, you know, but at the same time, which is a bit odd, and I don't know if anyone can relate to this, um, I'm very people-pleasing. Um, so with that comes a lot of, you know, a lot of work for an, in- for an introvert, doing things that you necessarily wouldn't want to do, um, getting in group environments that, you know, you personally wouldn't want to be in, but because you have that people- people-pleasing aspect to you, you push yourself into those situations. And that caused a lot of conflict in my head because being a people pleaser for all my life, I've wanted to, the original people pleasing identity comes from my parents, wanting to make my parents happy, getting a good grade in whatever class, you know, um, making them happy when playing the piano or singing, stuff like that, right? You want to make your parents happy, at least for me when I was younger. And to that end, when you meet other people and you care about them, you want to make those people happy too. So sometimes you sacrifice your own identity or your own your own decisions or things you would want to do for the people pleasing for to people please others. I know that didn't make much grammatical sense, but I hope that makes sense. Um, so yeah, the people pleasing stuff comes in conflict with being introverted a little bit, um, and I'm starting to realize that I wake um, that I can make my own decisions. Um, I can do what I want, and I don't have to always people please. Um, so I hope that anyone who's listening, which not that many, not that many people I know, but to anyone who's listening, if you are struggling with people pleasing, I get it, and I know it's very tough. But sometimes it is important to make decisions that are good for you and your mental health over people-pleasing others. Um, Focus on yourself. Prioritize yourself. Um, If you're introverted like me, prioritize your, the time of you being by yourself, being alone. Uh, Make sure you have that time to yourself. Don't expend yourself out to people for a marginal, oh, I'm making them happy. That's useless. Um, I guess that's what I felt. Anyway, Let's move, let's move a little forward because I feel like I'm rambling a little bit. But that's what this podcast is about. I'm going to ramble. Um, so it's no, it's no problem. <laughs> um, so yeah, let's go to the next one, which is intuitive or observant. So in the 16 personalities test, they actually give you percentages, um, which I think is really interesting because it shows that people are not as binary as an INFJ. You know, you have observant characters to you. You have extroverted characters to you. 
you're not just 100% introverted, 100% intuitive or whatever, or extroverted, all that stuff. So anyway, um, I'm 76% intuitive, and I think that's interesting um, because, you know, I don't really see myself as an observant person sometimes, and I think that hurts me a little bit um, where I fail to analyze a situation well and make decisions that are a little rash and based off of uh, ideas that I think are true but really aren't. And I think that has to come with, um, that comes with debate. Um, so as I, you know, keep making these episodes, you will come to realize that speech and debate is a big part of, was a big part of my life, still is, it defines me a little bit and the decisions and my personality. So in debate, you are given many topics. You know, I did public forum debate, which is a type of debate that has a different topic every month. And being the competitive little whatever I am, I would uh, go every month, prepare for a new topic every single month. And with that um, comes with the fact that you only have a little, a limited amount of time to prepare for topics. So most likely you go into tournaments not really knowing what you're talking about. Um, and there are really complex topics like NAFTA, um, the North American Free Trade Agreement, or UNCLOS, the uh, UN uh, Law of Sea Treaty, <laughs> the most obscure things possible you could think of that we debate about. And you have to act like you know everything. You need to act like you are the expert knowledge in this subject so that your judge votes for you. I mean, that's just a part of that uh, ethos, pathos, logos, it's a part of that. You need to you need to have good evidence, obviously, but you need to also be able to look like you know what you're talking about. Um, so I think that comes with the fact that I don't take the time to listen, um, you know, to sit down and listen to others and understand where they're coming from. I'm just very, you are wrong, I am right, this is how the world works, and that's it. And... I see that a lot in politics, um, being the young 18-year-old I am. Um, since the 2016 elections, you know, even before that, we've seen the rise of polarization. We've seen populism. I don't know if populism is a great term, but we've seen populism rise across the world. Um, and we've seen a lot of people shutting down when opinions that differ from them are presented. And it's from both sides. And it happens to me too when, um, you know, when I hear something I don't like or something that threatens my identity, I'm, I'm quick to shut down. Um, which, you know, sometimes is fair enough because sometimes some things are just not permissible whatsoever. Racist, homophobic, um, life, for example, racist, homophobic language is always impermissible. But there are other things, other more complex things that I feel like we should take into account, um, which I think we don't. And I think this comes with my personality. Um, I'm less observant, um, and I think that's not a great thing. But I think I am very intuitive. Um, I do, with debate also, comes with the, I have to navigate through, I think of it like navigating through a maze, um, because arguments can be very complex. So you have to navigate through the maze so you can beat the argument. And um, that it's not just debate with me. I think it's also with my family. Um, you know, just like every family, you go through 
ups and downs and you go through arguments, you go through struggles. And I always wanted to help my family um, to good ends and to bad ends, obviously. That did hurt me a little bit, but, you know, help me become more intuitive. Help realize that, you know, some things aren't worth fighting for. Some things are, it's possible to get out of, excuse me, possible to get out of. But yeah, so that's that. And yeah, let's move on. The third one is thinking or feeling. <laughs> and I find this one very funny. I find this one very funny because I am 95% feeling, 5% thinking. Now you might be thinking, like I am thinking, my 5% is kicking in, by the way. <laughs> you might be thinking, oh my God, Sawmill, are you crazy? Because that is, that is a lot of thinking. That is a lot of feeling. I mean, <laughs> that's a lot of feeling. And yeah, and I'm not, I'm a little surprised it is that high, but I do believe that I feel a lot. Um, you know, I feel for people who I don't even know that well. I think the best example I can give um, is I have this friend who I'm very close with, and I think the reason why I'm close with this friend is because we are similar personalities when it comes to feeling at least. So my freshman year, we went to Rome. And yeah, that's crazy, right? The first time I actually went abroad, other than India. India I don't really count because, you know, that's my that's like where my family lives kind of thing. But first time actually going abroad was Rome, and we went for choir um, through the school, which is absurd. Public school, mind you. Um, don't know how this is possible. But anyway, we're here. We're in Rome. We're about to sing in the Vatican. The Vatican, which is crazy. I'm tooting my horn way too much, so sorry about that. But anyways... <laughs> We're at the Vatican, um, and we're walking around Rome. You know, this is like our free day. We don't have any rehearsal, none of that. So we're walking through Rome, and um, we see this man, um, you know, a street beggar. Like, I don't know if that's the right term. My gosh. Um, I think that's the right term. Not sure. Anyways, so we see a street beggar, um, you know, begging for some money because, you know, this is how the world is. And uh, we walk past him. And I was thinking in my head, oh my God, the, that man, I can't even imagine the life that that person is living right now. And I thought to myself, like, why am I so fortunate? And people like that aren't. And, you know, those, those type of thoughts, which I have very often, if I'm being honest. Um, that's coming to a part of, like, identity. And I think we'll talk about that in another episode, hopefully. But, you know, we walk past and about two or three minutes later, my friend like taps me on the shoulder and is like, hey, can we go back and give that man some money? And in like a foreign nation, or it depends, but mostly in foreign nations, and especially in Italy, we were learned, we were taught, you know, make sure you have your wallet at all times. You have like, you know, the, I don't know, that strap around your like waist, which I never bought. I was like, I don't care if I get robbed. I'm not, I'm not using that. But, you know, it's, it's like, there are a lot of uh, pickpocketers here. There are a lot of um, people who are going to take advantage of you. So that's honestly the primary reason why we went past that man. But then my friend, you know, pokes me and it's like, can we give him some money? And we're like, okay, let's go back. So we go back and we give him money and I think about that a lot because I felt so good just giving that money 
to that person and it was more of a action of feeling versus thinking because who knows that guy might have been a uh i don't know it could have been a uh pickpocketer it could have been a um scammer it could uh, who knows right we're in a foreign country you have no idea and best course of action is you know you always just walk past even in the u.s like in new york you just walk past right you don't really acknowledge uh the beggars on the street and in india you know you don't do that either obviously um but you know it just felt good and i think a lot of my actions um are based on feeling which you know has its consequences but also has its benefits um I think the best example I can give about this, too, is um, coming to Wake Forest. So I applied to Wake Forest on a regular decision basis, and I got in. Very happy. But it was a bit bittersweet when I got in because I was actually coaching some folks online for debate. Debate, yeah, again. Um, Making some money, you know, side hustle. Um, But, yeah, I was making some money, doing some debate, and uh, I got a text saying, your wake, uh, your wake decision is available, go to your portal, and like, oh my god, my wake decision's in, and then two minutes later, I get my, an email from Georgetown, which was my dream school since freshman year, your decision is in, um, and I got, you know, I got deferred on EA, which is the early application, so I was like, oh god, Georgetown's in, (laughs) um, so I checked George, I thought to myself, oh, I'll just check real quick, um, so I checked real quick during my teaching, which in retrospect wasn't the best, best idea, but it's okay. I, you know, so I check and I get rejected and that, that wasn't a great feeling, but then I check awake and I get accepted and I was very happy. Um, you know, but I still was a bit hesitant because after Georgetown being my dream school, I didn't really have any dream school. Um, and I got into some other places um, and it was honestly about money, if I'm being completely honest, um, what the like list narrowed down to. So um, it narrowed down to George Washington University in D.C., um, then the Kelly School of Business in Indiana, and then which is IU, um, IU Kelly, which is like a top 10 business school in the nation. And then there was Wake. And the part, the problem was, if I went to GW, in my opinion, in my perception, I would have been locked in a poli-sci kind of major because that's what they're good at. International relations, poli-sci, that's what they're good at. If I went to Kelly, um, which is the uh, Indiana University, I'd be locked into business, which is a whole different path, right? Whole different path. Or I go to Wake and, you know, I can um, do whatever because everything here is good. <laughs> Great school. And the thinking in me, the thinker would be, okay, go to Wake Forest. If you're undecided, go to Wake Forest. You know, you have best of both worlds. But looking back, I didn't even think of that. Um, I was really scared. And I thought, okay, I told my dad, I call him Papa because that's, you know, Papa, let's go to, let's go to Wake. Uh, Let's go to uh, GW. Let's go to Kelly. Um, We didn't happen to go to Kelly, um, which I think might have influenced my decision a little bit because Kelly's a little too far. I'm from Pennsylvania. So a bit too far. And, um, so Kelly's a little too far, um, GW we go, I thought, okay, I mean, we went to American, my bad, um, I always get American GW mixed up, but same, same idea, go to American, and American's campus is a bit small, um, I didn't like it, don't know why, just didn't like it, then I go to Wake, and I stand in the middle of that quad area, I don't know if you've ever been to Wake Forest, uh, I would look up 
weight chapel of wake forest and there's a quad which is where the weight chapel is on um and it is beautiful and i stood there and i thought to myself i'm going here i am going here i just am i love it i love the environment here it's small it's homey it's beautiful it's exactly what i imagined college would be and this is not like a wild story. This is like a story that many, many college students have. Um, but that was very much the feeling in me, the feeling part of my my uh, decision making. You know, I decided I need to go to Wake. I need like that was how I made the decision. It was on a feeling. Um, so yeah, so big decisions like that. You know, sometimes just go with your heart, in my opinion. But definitely think it through. Definitely think it through. Do not be a 95%, 5% because that's hurts. Um, there are many things I can think of, you know, relationship wise, you know, falling into, um, falling into a, like, or spiraling through, you know, being in a relationship or on the verge of being a relationship in a relationship or wanting to be without someone. And, you know, the feeling takes over like, um, there's an example, and I'll be as vague as possible. <laughs> there's an example in my life where I was into someone for a long time, a good long time. And um, I knew it would never happen. You know, it would never happen. But we were close friends. Um, and I knew it would never happen, but it the feeling in me still latched on. You know, it still latched on to the idea of, oh my gosh, if this happened, that would have been amazing you know it would have been amazing and the feeling in me kept making scenarios like well if we meet up after college at this place then it could happen but those scenarios are stupid they're stupid i cannot even predict what i when i will eat lunch tomorrow <laughs> nonetheless if this wild scenario would happen you know and I hope that if anyone's anyone listening here relates to that, that you let go of those fantasies. Um, because here's the thing. Fantasies are under the premise that you didn't know that fantasy would happen. Like, the fantasy is supposed to be suspenseful. suspenseful. You're not supposed to know that that fantasy happened before or predicted it. So just let it happen if it does. But don't think about it. Like, don't, don't think that I wish that this would happen here and here and here. If you find yourself doing that and you know, you know, it's impractical, stop yourself. You are not helping yourself. You're pushing yourself into a rabbit hole. Um, and I hope that that can stop. So there we go. That's another tangent, but I hope that makes sense. Okay. We got two more. We got two more. We got judging and perspecting, uh, which is the next category. And I am 58% judging, 58% perspecting. And I'm going to look up this really quickly because I want to make sure that, as I told you, I have no notes, literally nothing. I just, I was walking over here. Honestly, the, <laughs> it's kind of funny. I was in my bed, let's say, let's say an hour ago. And um, I thought to myself, okay, I have no work now because I have one class on Friday. I'm recording this on a Friday. Um, one class on Friday, 12 to 12.50, and then I'm done. So I thought, okay, you want to record a podcast, Sawmill? Let's record one because that's something I always wanted to do. 
I was listening to Emma Chamberlain's podcast last night, and great podcast. I, I mean, if you haven't heard that podcast, you definitely should. Anyways, so we're here. We have the judging personality. Um, so this is according to 16 personalities, and this is a quote. People are with a judging personality trait feel most comfortable when the course ahead is well marked. They would rather come up with five backup plans than deal with events as they come. Um, and that's what I am. And then the prospecting personality is figuring things out as they go. So this is again from 16 personalities and it's a quote, prospecting individuals are more flexible when it comes to dealing with unexpected challenges. This flexibility helps them seize the unexpected very well. So let's talk about this. Um, the judging personality, which is what I am. Um, I definitely agree that I like seeing or knowing that a course of action is there and marked and ready for me to take. Um, but let's be honest with ourselves. Ourselves, That's not reality. That is not how the world works. Think about it. Two years ago. Was it two years ago now? My word. Wait, let me, I need to think about this. September. March. Okay, I don't know. A long time ago. March 2020. No one in the world could have told me on March 9th, 2020, that in a couple of days, we would be home for two weeks, and those two weeks would have turned into a month, two months, three months, into the summer, and back again into the fall, that I wouldn't be in school, and there would be a global pandemic, and thousands, thousands of thousands of people would have lost their lives. And this is, I mean, this is something we've heard all the time. This is not something new, what I'm saying. Um, but that's the reality of our life. That's the reality of life. COVID's not just a, um, a uh, like, a case example, a case study. COVID is a trend of how our world works. If we go back, I don't know, the 90s, I guess, or even the 80s, go back in the 80s and tell tell people that, yeah, in... 20 or so years, people are going to be carrying handheld phones, and they're going to be stuck on their phones, and there's going to be this thing called social media, where people post photos and get likes, and people make fame off social media, people promote things on social media, advertisements are online, the internet is a thing, things like that. There's so much change in our world, and if you are a judging personality... I hope that you realize that it is good to make a plan, but the best plan in, the best plans in the world are the plans that are flexible. Those are the best plans. Planning to be flexible is the best plan. And that's something that I've had to learn with, uh, deal with. Um, I'm a first year, mind you, first year undergrad at Wake Forest, and I already think I want to go to law school. Very much so. I want to go to law school top 14 law school, whatever, big law, blah, blah, blah. But already I'm having my fears, worries. Is law for me? Am I going to do good in law or am I going to be a cog in the machine? Um, how am I going to make money And if I don't do law? Will I, um, you know, go into business? Is business for me? What is, what, is, what do I do? You know, and a lot of a lot of high schoolers struggle this, with this. A lot of college students struggle with this. A lot of people in the workplace right now st uh, struggle with this. People going through midlife crises, crises, excuse me, 
Is that the word? I, I think so. Let's just stick with that. Um, people going through those situations, you know, they are thinking to themselves, is this the right decision? Um, is this the right decision? And the way I deal with that is through my faith, which I don't think it's reliable for, you know, most people. Um, because I'm a Christian and I think, you know, it's, it's, if it's God's plan, it'll happen. And if it isn't, it isn't. And that gives me some peace of mind, but sometimes, you know, it sucks. Sometimes you think to yourself, wow, if I did Y decision instead of X decision, this might've happened. And, um, I'm in a philosophy class at Wake Forest and we talk a lot about decision-making, um, and, also the consequence of not making a decision, the, 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 the decision not to act um, and what those consequences are. And I never thought about that too um, because not doing anything is a decision in of itself. So yeah, it's very interesting. And I think that we need to be more, be more mindful of our limitations as humans. Um, be mindful that, you know, you don't know everything. You really don't. You don't. I mean, I can't even, I've really, I'm going to be honest. I cannot tell you when I'm going to eat lunch tomorrow. If you cannot tell yourself what time you're going to eat lunch tomorrow, if you can give me an estimate, like, you know, maybe around noon. Okay, that's fine. Can you give me an exact time you're going to eat lunch tomorrow? Probably not right? I mean, I mean, if, unless, you know, you're at school and you have to eat lunch at this time or something, but even then, what if you're not hungry tomorrow at lunch and you decide, oh, I might just eat a bag of chips and, you know, that's lunch, I guess, but not really. You have no idea. If you can't even predict that, then what are you predicting? What, what are you, what are you stressing over, over a decision? Because at the end of the day, we as humans have imperfect knowledge, very imperfect knowledge, our knowledge is limited to what we know, what we see, um, the people we know, you know, and that's it. It's really limited. Um, I can tell you that law school sounds like a good idea for me because my friend told me it was a good idea and I looked up stuff online and, you know, it sounded like a good thing for me, but that's the extent of information I know. Maybe there's a dark side of law that I have no idea about. You know, or maybe, maybe it goes the other way. Maybe, um, I was thinking not doing business, right? Because business seems scary and competitive, but maybe there's a side of business that isn't, you know, maybe consulting or nonprofit consulting is, you know, not as competitive and more, um, free and, you know, stuff like that. You have no idea, um, which, you know, can be scary, but I also hope that it is more freeing. Like life is life. Live it really and that sounds so cliche but at some point you're gonna realize that like decisions yes they matter but they also don't you just like the decision itself is fine it's what you do out of that decision like what you make of it so for example if i choose law over business what am I going to make out of a law degree? If I don't, if I know that I personally don't like the competitiveness or I want to make an impact in the world and I choose law, let's just say I don't go into big law, which is like corporate law, which is, you know, competitive and decide to go into criminal justice or working for the ACLU. You know, it's all about what you do with that decision, not the decision itself. So yeah, I'm going to get off my, um, soapbox and, um, yeah, let's continue. We're on the last one. And that's assertive or turbulent. And um, I think this one's interesting because 
so if you look at the personality test, there's, you know, INFJ, ENFP, all those, and there are four letters. But 16 personalities has another letter, which is kind of separated with a dash. Um, I think that's a, very interesting. So anyway, we're on the dash part. I don't know why it's a dash. Anyone, you can look it up. I'm too lazy to do that. <laughs> so I have, let me look it up again. Assertive versus turbulent. Okay. So we have assertive versus turbulent and I'm turbulent and um, I hear the word assertive and I immediately think of health class freshman year, kind of odd, or eighth grade maybe. Um, because in freshman year or whatever, in health class, I don't know why health class, you learn about like what it means to be passive aggressive, aggressive, passive, and assertive. And everyone's like, passive aggressive is bad, aggressive is awful, passive is terrible, but being assertive, that's cool. You need to be assertive. And like, I mean, that is very true, right? It is good to be assertive, but um, and it's not good to be passive aggressive at times because that can, um, you know, cause conflict and being aggressive or passive can also cause conflict. Um, but yeah, I, that's a weird tangent, but that's kind of what I think of. But yeah, anyway, so being assertive is, um, according to 16 personalities, again, I'm going to quote here, assertive individuals are self-assured, even tempered and resistant to stress. That is definitely not me. Resistant to stress is, um, something that I, I deal with. And let's look at turbulent individuals. So it says, turbulent individuals are success-driven, perfectionistic, and eager to improve. That definitely is me. Um, so let's talk about stress, and then I'll conclude. Um, so yeah, let's talk about stress. I think stress is something that debilitates, is that the word debilitates me? Yes, hopefully that's a word if that makes sense to whoever's listening. Um, stress is debilitating sometimes to me personally, and I know for others, definitely. I was um, with one of my friends here at Wake, and I saw her schedule um, for, you know, her work and all that stuff, like her schoolwork, and I literally got secondhand stress. I was like, oh my god, you have so many things. Like, I cannot, like, even look at that. Um, stress is a big problem in my life. I derive a lot of stress from, you know, back at home. You know, there's a lot of conflict, so that I derive a lot of stress from there. And I know a lot of folks uh, sympathize with that, um, definitely. But, you know, there's that, there's stress from school, there's financial stress, there's mental health, like mental stress, there's physical stress, there's millions of forms of stress. And um, I would say my advice, which I think a lot of people have said, but I think is something good to do, which I need to practice, is deleting social media. And uh, I deleted social media during a time in my life where I was at a pretty low point, pretty low point during COVID. Um, I was seeing my first therapist. Excuse me. That Panda Express lunch was so good. All right. So yeah, I was, um, you know, going through a moment in my life which was not ideal at all, right? And I was with my first therapist, and he suggested to um, reduce my social media. And uh, I said, okay, I'll one-up you, and I deleted it. And for a month or so that I had it deleted, I felt on top of the world. I didn't have to compare myself to other individuals. I didn't feel monotonous. Um, 
I could, I had freedom to do other things. Because if you really, I suggest you go on your phone right now and check how long you've been on social media this last week, like in your settings on your iPhone, like your screen activity, and you will be shocked. And imagine a world where that, you know, how many hours was freed up again for you. That is amazing. You could do different things. I started, um, you know, working on my music again, which I didn't even expect to do in that low of my life. Or I started to journal. I started to meet friends. Um, and I'm not saying this will be the exact effect you will experience when you delete social media or even just reduce social media a little bit, which I think is more realistic. Um, but it's definitely something to think about because I definitely struggled with finding time for myself, you know, being an introvert, I needed time to myself and that gave me that time. Um, so yeah, eventually I did reinstall it, which is annoying, but it's okay. Um, but yeah, I mean, I would definitely suggest that, um, as a way to get your life back a little bit. Um, so yeah. And now I will be concluding, um, this first episode. I hope everyone who's listened has enjoyed. Um, I will be doing more of these. I love these. I'm very, um, talkative. And if you have any suggestions, uh, let me know. Um, I'll think about interviewing other folks, you know, some friends, bringing some friends on the podcast, but this is just a solo sawmill one going over the INFJ. Um, so yeah, um, I hope you enjoyed. Um, please just, you know, you can DM me, honestly, you can text me. I'm on Twitter. Um, I'm on Instagram and Snapchat. Shouldn't be according to this podcast, but I'm on those places if you want to reach out to me. Um, but yeah, this is the first episode of Conversations with Sawmill. Adios.